Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zanashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. <laughs> ah, it's good to be back. Yes. My thoughts exactly. It's been a while. I've yeah. been on the road. You've been on the road. Oh, yeah. Uh, Porno Steve's been on the road. That's right. Bevo's just been sitting around here doing nothing. Well, waiting for us to get back. She's been course. on the road to get here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she can't talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's fine. I'm used to it. <laughs> Being left behind. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Still here. There, you, there you go. We count on you. Yep, 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 yep. I went off to uh, e- Europe and did a, uh, a wonderful uh, uh, trip through uh, the Netherlands and Sweden and uh, France and England. And then uh, Parno Steve, you went off and uh, played a band uh, guitar hero in uh, yeah in, uh, in various places. Austin, Texas. We Austin. did a bunch of places on the way to Austin. Yeah, to uh, play South by Southwest. Yes. Okay. No, dude. <laughs> Tular. Oh, Tulari. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> Turd Tulari. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what did I think of that? Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was a ghost town there. It's sad. <laughs> Yes, and Palmer, you were off in uh, what Spain Brazil and Brazil and, and Spain. There you go. Yeah, we um, are just a bunch of world and uh, Central Valley travelers. <laughs> That's huh? right. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Central Valley, a mysterious. Good for you guys. <laughs> you too could travel to the Central Valley if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Hard pass. It's not that hard. <laughs> but the passes. <laughs> Speaking of hard, um, how about that uh, great John Blickman? Oh, yeah. He's hard man to keep up with. Hard man to keep up Hey, that's better than what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> he is, uh, uh, you know, a great guy, a, a great inventor, and a great, uh, you know, a, a great friend and a great, uh, a great sponsor. And um, he has been paying for this show. Uh, so you don't have to for what at least ten years now I think yeah about ten years yeah that's yeah, a long uh, time to be paying for that's, that's like uh, you know some and cable he still bill. thinks it's worthwhile well maybe he just doesn't know maybe maybe you know all that brilliance comes at a cost and he's just yeah. not able to properly evaluate he doesn't have common sense <laughs> yeah maybe he lacks or common maybe sense. our listeners are actually sending him. Emails at feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com there you and letting go. them know how there much they appreciate there the show. There you go. Now you're talking. Yeah, if people do that, then Blickman will keep paying for the show, and then you get the show for free. Yeah. There you go. If you don't do that, Blickman stops paying for the show. Nobody can pay for the show. 
<laughs> Nobody <laughs> wants to pay for the show. The show goes away. So, all it takes is like a little email, maybe browsing their website and telling them, hey, I checked out the new uh, Riptide Pump or the, the Cornicle or any of those other really cool inventions that he's got. Um, you know, or if you're going to be in Portland at the conference, you go and you see him and say, hi, uh, thank you for sponsoring uh, Bruce Strong. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed downloading it for free and listening to it. Thank you. And uh, that's all it takes. Yeah, that's all you got to do to uh, instead of paying money for the show. That's all you got to send some emails, mm-hmm. browse some websites, walk up there and say hi to a very nice person who will uh, uh, chat with you very nicely about whatever you want to chat about on brewing. It's a good guy. So check it out. BlickmanEngineering.com or send an email to feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com or see him at the conference. All right, today, today we are talking about uh, adjuncts. Yeah, indeed. I'm always, uh, you know, it's interesting to me that uh, you know, I, I, it's not like I've been in craft beer for a hundred years. I've been in craft beer since like '99, um, yeah. and I've seen, you know, from from back then, it was kind of like. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't brew with any adjuncts. Every brew is like, oh, no adjuncts, please. It's all Reinheitsgebot. It's all, uh, you know, yeast and water and malt and hops, and I'll never put anything else in there ever. Um, and, and, and a big reason for it was, you know, adjuncts were thought of as uh, rice at Budweiser, corn at Coors, you know, anything that, uh, you know... Um, yeah. Cheap, cheap big beer was the thought. Right, right. Even though a lot of times rice is more expensive than, than barley malt or corn is more expensive, you know. Yeah. Um, it still was thought, well, you know, that's that's just, you know, not the kind of beer I want to make. I will never use adjuncts. It had a bad reputation. Even though a lot of, like, the Belgian brewers were doing, uh, uh, you know, candy sugar and things like that, which is also an adjunct. That's right. But, uh, you know, fast forward, what is it, 20 years? I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. You know, uh, 15 years. And... There's fruits, there's sugars, there's different grains. There's all sorts of crap being thrown in beers now. And that's what's exciting to people. You know, people don't want like a, just a really well-made pale ale. They don't want a really well-made, uh, you know, Meritzen. They don't want, you know, well, they, they want, want a, something um, fancy. They want a New England-style strawberry milkshake. Right, right. With lactose. IPA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lactose Lactose sugar. and fruit and... Yeah. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me how radically it's changed in just this, this short period of time. That's right. But, it, you know, it's a matter, you know, and what I'm trying to say is that adjuncts can make beer interesting. And that's mm-hmm. that's the real name of the mm-hmm. game, uh, creating interesting, flavorful beer, uh, not just thin beer, cheap beer. Right. It's, uh, it's creating interesting Look beer. And, that, and that's what today's adjuncts are all about yeah it can be used for for anything i mean if you yeah. want a beer to come out lighter in malt character you know adjuncts you want it to be heavier in malt character you want to add all these other flavors it's um you know all of that's possible yeah. and um in it's, fact it's, there's very few beer styles that are are adjunct free right it's 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 a tool 
Yeah. Right? It's it's a it's a tool in your arsenal to do something. It it isn't necessarily a bad thing anymore. It's it's just something that you use as a brewer. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. different kinds of hops. Better beer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so, uh, John, why don't you start us off, define for us what an adjunct is. Well, an adjunct is basically any uh, non-enzymatic fermentable or starch source uh, or sugar that is added to the wort. Um, We say non-enzymatic to distinguish it from a malt. So... um, for example, uh, roast barley is mm-hmm. not malted. Mm-hmm. That's an adjunct. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, raw wheat um, or flaked wheat are both adjuncts. Mm-hmm. So are flaked oats, flaked rye. All your flaked grains really are, you know, are they're um, pre-cooked but to some degree by mm-hmm. flaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are adjuncts that you would put in the mash. Because they create. have no enzyme activity. If you were to soak them in water, you're yeah, just getting wet. Themselves. <laughs> you're getting wet material. You're not getting any sort of a conversion to sugar. Right. They're just a starch source that the enzymes in the malt in the barley malt, can then t- uh, take advantage of and break down the sugars. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you have your refined sugars that you know can be anything from table sugar, sucrose, to Belgian candy sugar, uh, less refined sugars like molasses, um, milk sugar, lactose. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, honey is another good example. Mm-hmm. Lots of different uh, what sugars. About, what that about fruits? Adjuncts. Pardon? Fruits. Oh, yes, and fruits, of course. Vegetables? Um, vegetables, squash, pumpkin beers, that's an adjunct. Potatoes, mm-hmm. a great adjunct. Um, yeah, all kinds of all kinds of fermentable or potentially fermentable starch, mm-hmm. starches and sugars are adjuncts. Okay. And if it's not potentially fermentable, if it's, um, uh, you know, some sort of herb or some sort of spice or something like that, or I don't know what else, rocks, <laughs> you know, yeah. those would well, strictly, be, you know. Strictly uh, flavorings uh-huh. uh, are, well, or say like gelatin uh-huh. are, are just simply additives, mm-hmm. um, processing okay. aids. Spices are spices. They're flavor additives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they are not... Uh, adjuncts because they're not fermentables. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. not a source of you know uh, ferment fermentation. Right, right. <clears throat> okay, that makes sense. That's a good way to uh, think of categorizing things. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's do this. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, I want to kind of dive into uh, uh, some of the you know the the popular adjuncts that you might use and. Uh, uh, you know how you might how you might start uh, using those in your in your beers. We'll be back right after this. The Twenty First Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you out! still like to have a good time? The Twenty First Amendment. Watch out! The Twenty First Amendment in San Francisco, located at five six three Second Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub. Or try them in the can, featuring Monk's Blood, made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. 
Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support. Like... Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and a home brewer's answer book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer whether for yourself or as a gift when you subscribe or resubscribe from the brewing network homepage, you directly support programs like this get a great magazine and support the brewing network subscribe to brew your own right from the brewing network.com are you a member of the white labs customer club if not you should be it's the easiest way to earn free stuff for turning in your old homebrew labels from either vials or pure pitch all you have to do is save your labels and redeem them for things like free yeast an exclusive white labs t-shirt or sweatshirt and even the opportunity to brew with the yeast man himself chris white signing up is easy just go to whitelabs.com customer club fill out the registration form and then mail in your labels they will return the favor by sending you awesome white lab swag go sign up today at whitelabs.com slash customer club white labs pure yeast and fermentation since 1995 since 1979 williams brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business check out their brand new patent pending mash and boil 110 volt electric mashing and boiling unit this compact all stainless unit lets you mash sparge and boil just about anywhere that has a 110 volt plug double wall construction adds to efficiency and safety and a precise thermostat keeps temperatures where you want them unlike insulated buckets and converted coolers multiple temperature rest mashing is easy to do all for under 300 bucks they also feature the mark ii work pump a magnetic drive high temperature pump that does the work of pumps that cost twice as much as well as exclusive brewers edge regulators and quality keg king kegs and disconnects check them out today at williamsbrewing.com to bruise their vast selection do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five star treatment today back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys brew strong 
<laughs> We're back. Talking about uh, driving the big rolling turd out to uh, Portland. With Justin. Ah, <laughs> you still have your uh, mutter home, eh? And Justin has it. Ah. The big rolling turd. Um, uh, but he's saying he's going to take like a week to get out there, and I don't know if I can afford that time. Oh. So I was thinking of flying. Yeah, it's such a short plane hop. Yeah. Unless the engine explodes. Right. Yeah, unless the engine explodes. That's uh that's inconvenient. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. Maybe he was saying he might uh, continue on from there, maybe I'll go with him there. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'd cool. love to. It's a lot of the time. Oh time. I think we're all yeah. running out of Um <clears throat> Alright, so back to adjuncts. Yes, those things. Right. So let's uh should we kind of categorize these into uh you know a couple of categories like uh yeah you know, the sugars the fruits the um fruits and vegetables maybe and um the sure. uh the the flake grains or the or the the the, the grain based um right adjuncts yeah yeah you got you got your, you got your starch sources um, that you know need to be mashed, mm-hmm. uh, and then you have your sugar sources that can you know maybe go may need to, to go the into the fermenter. mash, but they could probably just be using the fermenter mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Hot side versus cold side. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you know the other cereal grains is probably a good place to start and get those out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know you have barley and. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> just getting over <clears throat> cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have your barley, which is a you know very popular cereal grain for malting. We did a uh, a malting uh, malts show a few a little while back, uh, a couple months ago, I guess. But um, the thing that makes barley good for malting is the fact it has a husk, and which helps it you know maintain uh, some some fluffiness and fluidity in the grain bed mm-hmm. whereas other uh, grains such as wheat don't and they are they're a little bit more trouble to water because the mash seems to be well tends not to flow as well so um, the you normally crush up your grain and uh, you know soak it in hot water the enzymes in the grain would then take over and slowly convert those starches to sugars but when you have an unmalted grain, um, then you have you still have that protein carbohydrate matrix around the starches, which makes it you know hard to convert. It takes a long time. Um, so really, um, you've got to you've got to get that that starch source um, broken out either by grinding it up or something. And then solubilized in the water so that the uh, enzymes can have access to it. Mm-hmm. And this is where the concept of gelatinization comes into play. Uh, we, with barley, uh, the gelatinization temperature is between 60 and 65 degrees C, which is uh, like 135 to 149 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, a little somewhere in there. And... In that temperature range, that's where these starches um, become well hydrated and become soluble in the water, and now they're accessible by the enzymes. Mm-hmm. 
In the case of other cereal grains like wheat and rye, um, their solubilization temperatures are pretty close to barley. So you can add these flaked adjuncts uh, directly to the mash, and they will you know, go into solution. The enzymes will, con- enzymes will convert them into sugars. Mm-hmm. Uh, wheat is uh, similar to barley, um, 58 to 64 degrees Celsius, 135 to 147, so very similar to barley. Uh, rye is a little bit higher uh, in its final temperature, a little broader range, 135 to 158 degrees Fahrenheit, or 57 to 70 C. Oats is, uh, again, similar, 135 F to 162 degrees Fahrenheit, or 57 to 72 degrees C. Now, that higher gelatinization temperature means that if you add these adjuncts, <coughs> you know, in the raw, crushed-up state, mm-hmm. directly to the mash, mm-hmm. and you only took your mash to, let's say, 65 degrees C or 100 and, you know, 150, mm-hmm. um, there would be a portion of those starches in that cereal that really would not ever become uh, hydrolyzed and soluble. So you wouldn't get the extract from that uh, starch. Mm-hmm. It would just stay. It would stay hard and stay out of solution. Um, and the way you address that is by cooking it first. And that's what we do with um, higher temperature grains like sorghum, corn, and rice. Uh, these generally need to be pre-cooked um, in what we call a cereal cooker or pot on the stove. <laughs> mm-hmm. And. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, you know, you go through the steps of actually cooking them and making them soft and squishy mm-hmm. before you add them to your mash. Mm-hmm. And uh, that way, you can just add them right in, stir them in. Um, there's good access to the starches, and you'll get, you know, full extract from those grains. Um, it's essentially just kind of wetting the starch molecules or getting water yeah. next to the starch molecules so that the enzymes can... Uh, get in attack there those and, molecules and break them up. Yeah, turn the starch chains can kind of unwind a bit, um, get better access for the enzymes, and then the enzymes can start nipping off the sugars. Mm-hmm. So, um, barley, wheat, and rye and oats. Um, if you were going to add them raw, they and crushed up, to, um, then they would probably convert pretty well in the mash. Mm-hmm. Um, but the most popular form for adding these as adjuncts is in the flaked form. Mm-hmm. And what is flaking? Well, it's it's a process known as torification. And what you do there is you take the grain and you steam it to cook it. And then you fl- and when the when the grain is has been cooked by steaming, you roll it between a couple of rollers to flatten it out, increase its surface area, and then you dry it, and that produces flaked uh, grains, like your flaked oats that you eat for breakfast in the morning. Those have been, already been pre-gelatinized. They've all been pre-gelatinized, pre-cooked by this steaming and flaking process. Mm-hmm. And the, the flaking process is nice because it gives that, that kernel more surface area, again, giving better access for the enzymes to the, to the starch 
uh, when it's in your mash. Just and like so they, uh, crushing grain uh, yeah. makes the, the starch more accessible to the to the mash. Exactly. Now, as I was mentioning, uh, corn and rice, which are you know the most widely used adjuncts for brewing, mm-hmm. um, their gelatinization temperatures are higher. And really, you know, above or mostly above typical mash temperatures for barley. So this is where the use of a cereal cooker or a separate mm-hmm. um, pot in the brewery uh, comes into play. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're trying to, con- to pre-cook, you know, mass quantities of uh, corn and, and rice, you know, like 10 barrels worth. Mm-hmm. Um, this is when you would add some portion of barley malt to that uh, cooker because then the enzyme action, you know, a, a, a protease rest and, uh, a, you know, amylase rest will all help break up those uh, starches and release those starches mm-hmm. uh, and allow them to cook faster mm-hmm. uh, than just simply boiling alone. Mm-hmm. Boiling, you know, um, you know, a couple tons of corn is pretty energy intensive so to cut back on that energy use that's when they add some some barley and let the enzymes do part of the work but for brewing at home you don't need to really worry about adding uh, barley Mm -hmm. or malt to this to the cooking process simply you know throw it in a pot on the stove put the rice in your rice cooker you know cook it as usual Mm -hmm. and then take that cooked grain and add that directly to your mash Mm -hmm. Seems a lot easier just to uh, throw in some flake grains. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, I you know, and I've had um, several adjunct beers over the years. I mean, both as home brewing at at uh, microbreweries. Um, our good friends, the Hudacheks, uh, mm-hmm. made uh, a rice IPA a few years ago at their Oktoberfest party. That was very delicious i mean um you know for a double ipa instead of using um corn sugar to thin the body they Mm -hmm. added rice Mm -hmm. and it made for a very good uh double ipa Hmm. so what sort of percentage do they use um i don't recall it was probably 10 15 percent somewhere in there probably 15 Uh uh-huh all right. Um, what sort of percentages do you think uh, people are, are generally using in some of these uh, adjuncts? Well, it depends on the style. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for beer such as double IPA, where you're looking to you know just thin the body a bit, mm-hmm. um, somewhere in the neighborhood of ten to fifteen, maybe even twenty percent. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going for a higher adjunct beer, like an American light lager, classic American pills. Um, something like that. Twenty-five uh, percent mm-hmm. uh, is a, is a is a more no- typical number um, for just um, or for something like you know, rye. I've, I've heard people rye, yeah. doing ninety-five uh, percent rye beer. You know, turns yeah. out gluey and snotty and uh, <laughs> doesn't pour well. But yeah, yeah. Um, I have a quick question from the chat mm-hmm. pertaining to the rice. Um, I just wanted to go back to it really fast. Uh, granulated instant cereals like cream of rice, cream of wheat, can those be added to the mash? Oh, yeah. yeah. The problem with with cereals is that, especially in the case of cream of wheat, it's uh, iron fortified. 
so you may end up with uh, you know significant uh, trace amount of iron in the beer Um, iron and other transition metals such as copper manganese and so on um if they make it into the cold side of the beer, um, they will uh, ox- act as catalysts for oxidation reactions and impact flavor stability. So um, I, w- I would not recommend necessarily um, a commercial breakfast cereal that's been you know, iron-fortified, um, but certainly something more... Uh, pristine or you know more organic i suppose if you will from like a health food store that doesn't have the uh, the fortification um would probably be more appropriate and work quite well well and uh you know uh your homebrew shop you want to support them as well um, oh, yeah? you know if you're only saving a few cents on something um i would suggest that maybe it's better to uh Pick it up at the uh, the homebrew shop and and get the uh, the flake grains that they sell. Uh, you know, a place yeah. like Great Fermentations out in Indiana. They uh, you know they have the best selections. They got uh, uh, every the most Blickman gear uh, on the web of anybody and the most knowledge behind it. A great shop, clean, well run, great people, great customer service, quick shipping on most items. Um, you know, a wealth of knowledge. Really good people. You can check them out at. Uh, greatfermentations.com you can like them on Facebook uh, Twitter, Instagram all the social things that uh, steal all your information uh, you can you can like them on that at GR8 uh, fermentation uh, and uh, yeah good people, check them out, good sponsor um, great homebrew shops, I've been there John's been there, uh, yeah. we know of what we speak um, well and I also want to mention uh, GrogTech Ah. I don't know. Have you have you checked out Grog Tag recently? I haven't. No, but I know they're know their good work from many years past. Well, all right. Uh, apparently, they've they've lost their minds because uh, they say <laughs> Norman Bates said it best: "A boy's best friend is his mother." And while we can't say we agree one hundred percent, we do think this year mom deserves something cool and custom from Grog Tag for Mother's Day. Go to grogtag.com and shop from hundreds of templates covering all kinds of products that you can modify and make your very own. From coasters of your baby pictures to beer and wine labels with last year's family reunion on them, the metal signs of our grandchildren. They have it all. Mother's Day is on May 13th, so start creating over at grogtag.com and use the code BNARMY to save 10% on your order. That's at grogtag.com. All right, uh, let's take another short break, and when we come back, um, you know, one of the things a lot of times people are asking is, you know, things like, uh, okay, uh, oh, it's uh, there's a lot of beta-glucans in there. Do I need a beta-glucan dress? Do I need protein rest? What, what kind of other rests do people need with these, uh, these uh, adjuncts? And what are the adjuncts? Can they just just steep with uh, with uh, uh, you know if they want to steep with uh, you know uh, uh, partial mash um, with right, extract? Right. I mean, how do they go about that? All right, let's cover that when we come back right after this. 
Hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanishev, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. Ken Grossman of Sierra Nevada Brewing Company says making great beer is hard. Making the same great beer every day is harder. Brewers Publications announces its latest release for breweries of any type and size. Quality Management, an essential guide for brewers by Mary Pelletieri. Proper quality management for small, regional, and national breweries is critical. Whether you are an established business or brand new, learn the best ways to create and manage a quality system in your brewery. This book will guide you in developing a comprehensive program that will grow with your brewery, help ensure quality processes in the brewery, and continue providing great beer for your fans. Quality management for breweries is critical for continued success. This guidebook teaches you to integrate quality management in every level of the operation. It will guide you in developing a comprehensive program to ensure quality processes in your brewery. Quality management, an essential guide for brewers, now available from Brewers Publications. Learn more at brewerspublications.com. If you work in retail sales, the restaurant industry, or are a new craft beer enthusiast, or you know someone who is, you have got to check out Beer 101. Beer 101 is an online course created for anyone wanting a quick introduction to the vast world of craft beer. Beer 101 covers the history of beer, brewing ingredients and processes, vital stats like ABV, SRM, IBU and gravity, styles, tasting, glassware, and pairing beer with food. The Beer 101 course is offered by the Brewers Association at craftbeer.com, also home to the truly awesome Beer Style Finder, a visual guide to every beer style. Quickly play with color, bitterness, and alcohol content to interactively explore the entire world of beer styles with a gorgeously designed interface to your favorite beverage. The new Beer 101 course and new Beer Style Finder are only available at craftbeer.com. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, you know. What? You and I, we're both going to be at... The Homebrewers Conference in Portland. That's right. Can't Com- wait. Coming up end of June. Yeah. We're going to have a, a blast of a time. You, you, me, and uh, Tasty McDowell, we're going to do a panel together. That's right. We are. Yeah, some fun. We're going to sign some books. I don't know. Are we going to be doing a show uh, at the... You know, I don't know. Uh, it's always hard sure. to find time. But. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why not? Right. I would okay. love to. 
I say yes. Yeah. Just I'm need to bring I'm sure some, we can make that happen. Are we going to be taking equipment up there? Is that going to happen? I think so. Yeah. Is Justin planning on doing something? Well, therein lies the question. <laughs> Depends on how he feels. So, John, it might be you and I sitting around my phone and... Uh, <laughs> doing a live, uh, like a Facebook right. live. Yeah. Right. We'll just have everybody <laughs> dial into a conference call and uh, we'll just do it over the phone. I think that's... No, no, no. I think um, he and I had spoken about it briefly and I'm pretty sure we're both intending to set something up while we're there. We just need to work out your schedules. Okay. Uh, okay. That sounds good. So we'll do a show, too. Uh, so you should make your way out there. This is uh, all, of course, thanks to the AHA that's been putting on this conference for, yeah, it's got to be like close to 40 years now. Oh, and, yeah. Um, yeah. Started, in, I think, in 79, I remember right, yeah, or somewhere yeah, thereabouts. Yeah. Coming, coming up on 40 years, and uh, I tell you, everyone I've been to has been absolutely fantastic. I wouldn't miss it uh, for anything. It is the best beer event you are ever going to go to. If you like yeah. beer and brewing beer, there is no better uh, event in the world relating to beer than the conference. It's just the people are wonderful. You get to share beers, talk stories, learn new techniques, find new gear, uh, explore new... I mean, it's just, it's just wonderful. Absolutely talk. wonderful. Yeah. Talking with like-minded people. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, and uh, it's going to be uh, end of June, and uh, get your you can they're signing people up now, and you do not want to uh, miss out. So um, hotels are available. Uh, Portland's a great city. It's easy to get to. It's easy to get around Portland. Even if you don't have a car there, you can just jump on the Met. It takes you most of the places you ever want to go. Uh, there's there's Uber or Lyft. All that stuff is available. Zip cars. Uh, great city to explore. Um, lots of great breweries. Um, lots of great restaurants. Just just an amazing place. And uh, you should get yourself there. Go go to the HA uh, website and sign up for the conference now. We want to see you out there. Um, and uh, it's just one of those benefits of membership, the uh, AHA conference. So check it out today. Um, let's see, where were we? We're talking about uh, uh, rests. Like, uh, all right, yeah. so a lot of times people say, "Hey, um, you know, do I need a beta glucan rest? Do I need a protein rest? Do I need a, uh, you know, a ferulic sometimes acid rest?" Sometimes you just need a restraining order. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, what I, I have, I don't have more than five tops against me. That's right. Um, yeah, uh, you know, it, it, glad you brought that up because uh, beta glucan. Uh, for those that, that you have are haven't heard of that word before, um, this is a polysaccharide. It is it is a type of uh, sugar starch molecule. Um, it's a pentosan rather than a hex uh, hexamer. Um, in other words, it has five sugar units instead of six, and uh, these. These uh, polysaccharides, as they're generally known, um, are very gummy, and they they make the wort more viscous, and that can be a problem when you're trying to lauder your mash, trying to drain the wort from uh, the grain bed. So what we do is we use a what we call a beta glucan rest uh, that around 135 degrees Fahrenheit, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Crack open mm-hmm. how to brew real quick. Where is that mashing section right here in the middle? Um, Shameless plug. Yeah, sorry. Where did I put it at? 
That's not the page. There we go. Beta glucanase. Um, oh, okay. Lower? At, one, one much lower. Yeah. to 113 or something like that? Yeah, 104 to 118 Fahrenheit. Um, does go down as low as 68 and as high as 122. So it is, you know, it is below your protein rest. Your mm-hmm. protein rests are the ones that are up around 130. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and so let me convert this to C quickly. That would be 40 to 48 degrees C. Um, and a rest for about 15, 20 minutes at these temperatures will break up those gums and really improve the flow of your wort. Mm-hmm. So, uh, very good practice. But how how is, how important is that if uh, if you don't care about the flow of your work? What if you're batch sparging and you know you got all the de- time uh, in the world, well, or um, you know you're brewing a bag, right, right. or uh, something like that? I mean, is is having the beta glucans hole in your uh, beer a problem? Well, it really doesn't do you any favors. Um, in terms of what there's, no, a there's no gluey gummy beer, yeah, <laughs> but it doesn't really do you any benefit to yeah. have uh, whole beta glucans floating around your work. Mm-hmm. So even if you're doing brewing a bag, um, you're going to get better extraction, um, better yield from your mash uh, if you do a beta gluconase rest. Mm-hmm. Now. Mm-hmm. Uh, a beta gluconase rest probably is not necessary if you're using between five and ten percent mm-hmm. of rye or oats or something like this. Usually, those levels can get by just fine without any changes. Okay. If you're going higher than ten percent, um, say you know between ten and twenty, you're probably going to want to add start adding rice hulls. Mm-hmm. And rice hulls are simply the husks from rice. There. They're inert in the mash, but they will provide uh, extra um, filtering. spacing, yeah. yeah, filtering capability and spacing, and mm-hmm. keeping that mash from compacting and, and clogging up. Yeah, I always found I didn't need any uh, hulls till I got like well past thirty percent. Even oh, okay. even commercially, we're doing twenty five percent outs, and that's you're still that's able fine. to buy. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to depend on the. No, it's going to depend on the equipment, of course. Okay. Um, yeah, we, I I don't do Good any point. any other rests. Uh, well, all right. One more question on on glucans. Is there an alpha glucan? <laughs> uh, not that I'm aware of. I mean, I just jump right to beta. I mean, really. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know gamma ones either, as far as I know. But there might be. I'm not a cellular molecular biologist, so there may be other things that I don't know about. Right. It's happened before. There you go. All right. Now, what about um, the refined sugars? What about the, uh, you know, the uh, cane sugar, uh, molasses, um, honey? Um, yeah. Things like that. What about those those things uh, that you might might add to a to a recipe? Well, honey is is a good one to start with. Honey and sucrose. Um, these are simple sugars that simply add sugar to the work. They add they'll fill up your alcohol because um, they're almost always fully fermentable. Yeah, they're completely fermentable. They don't add any protein. Um, they will add some 
some flavors to the beer. I mean, you know, from the production of byproducts, just like normal fermentation does. Um, but you won't get, you know, residual flavor compounds uh, from those like you would from uh, your specialty malts or from less refined sugars like molasses. Molasses definitely has a flavor to it. Um, honey can have a flavor into the beer, but because it is so completely fermentable, it is you know simply fructose and small amounts of other you know glucose and sucrose um, that you know it's 100% fermentable, and a lot of the volatiles that you know you can smell when you sniff honey will be you know essentially scrubbed out of the beer uh, during fermentation. Is sniffing honey anything like sniffing glue? Or? No, although it can be just as irritating to your nasal passages. There you go. Hmm. No, like liver damage, brain damage. No. Uh-uh. Okay. Although if, if the if you, the bee gets stuck in there, then uh, that can be a real problem. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, what sort of percentages of of these simple sugars does one use? Yeah, again, you're in that same ballpark, you know, anywhere 20, maybe even 30% or lower to 10%, depending on the mm-hmm. the kind of character you want mm-hmm. uh, that you make in your beer. <clears throat> if you're thinning the body um, for like a double IPA, you know, 10, 15. Um, if you're trying to uh, simply get some color uh, and maybe or a little bump in alcohol, you know, again, uh, 10, 15, if you're going for something that has a significant uh, portion of uh, sugar, like a Belgian triple, mm-hmm. you know, that would be more. That would be uh, 20, 25 mm-hmm. kind of numbers. Well, and uh, one thing that I was found was a lot of the simple sugars don't have a whole lot of flavor. But there right. are some that are more flavor than they are sugar. So something like uh, molasses. You yeah. tend to get a lot more flavor from a small amount. And there's really not a huge amount of uh, sugar in there for fermentation. Yeah. And I I mean, it's tempting. A lot of new brewers will uh, pick up. Uh, molasses and other invert uh, sugar syrups, you know, Lyle's golden syrup. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what is it? There's Mexican sugar cones, um, which the name escapes me at the moment. Uh, other uh, palm sugars. Randy Mosher's book, uh, Radical Brewing, mm-hmm. uh, has a lot of a really good discussion of different brewing sugars that you can experiment with. Uh, that will contribute, you know, interesting flavors to your beer. Um, I I don't have a palate for a lot of those interesting flavors myself, but uh, many people do. So, you know, uh, feel free to experiment with those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I think, you know, uh, a lot of times with those sugars, people, you know, believe that it's going to add this huge, you know, difference in, uh, you know, flavor between one and the other. I mean, you know, like uh, the, the clear candy sugar versus yeah. just using some, some beet sugar. Um, yeah, I, I really can't find much of a difference between the two. It's really more, you know, in the imagination, I think. Well, and the thing that really makes a huge difference is yeast. You know, yes. The type of yeast you use is really, um, you know, and some of them will accentuate more more character of, of the adjuncts you use, and some will, will do less. Um, 
I tell you, one tool for figuring out what you want to use is uh, White Labs. They've uh, introduced a mobile app, and uh, you know, if you're a home brewer searching for your next strain, a professional brewer placing an order, White Labs mobile app has something for everyone. Uh, key features include an easy-to-navigate ordering system, custom culture calculator to determine the appropriate pitch rates, homebrew store locator up to the minute inventory availability, and more. So you can download the new White Labs mobile app for iPhone or Android by searching White Labs in the App Store or the Play Store today. All right, let's take uh, our final break. And uh, when we get back, let's uh, wrap up our discussion of, uh, oh, yeah, Roots and Vegetables uh, when we come back after this. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature March pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, more beer social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. to brew has never been so disgusting this is brew strong all right we're back talking about adjuncts and things like you know large cucumbers um check out adamandeve.com today and get just a 50 percent off just about any item when you uh type the offer code Jamel, call. j-a-y-l uh for the offer code upon checkout uh when you do you get three free dvds a free extra gift and free shipping so all you got to do is use the offer code Jamel at adamandeve.com you're going to get one uh, item at just uh, almost any item at about 50 uh, 50% off free shipping three free D- DVDs a free extra gift um, you can't go wrong use the offer code Jamel J A M I L at adamandeve.com today all right um 
Yeah. Our uh, our vegemumbles. Yes, fruits and veggies. Mm-hmm. Fruits uh, and veggies. Fruits are, fruits are a good source of uh, flavors mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and fermentable sugars. Mm-hmm. Um, the question that everybody asks is, well, how much is this fruit going to add to the gravity of the beer? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's a good question, but um, it helps. Uh, you can kind of estimate it by right. the weight of the fruit mm-hmm. and um, its bricks value. Mm-hmm. And, and most of the way to- most of the sh- the fruits are relatively low in sugar, unless you get to like wine grapes or something like that. So right. the bricks is you know six to ten maybe, and yep. if you're making a small beer, then it can raise the value of the of the alcohol. Um, but if it's a bigger beer, uh, generally it'll lower it. So it's only certain types of fruit that'll actually raise it. It's they'll generally lower your your alcohol. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people will add these uh, fruits to uh, to the beer after the first fermentation, do a secondary fermentation with them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which uh, helps preserve some more of the aromas. Right. One of the things that we've been doing at Heretic recently is um, we will ferment the fruit by itself. Um, using just Calil yeast, whatever, um, and then right. we will transfer that into the beer, into the fermented beer. Uh-huh. And I feel like we kind of get the best fruit character that way. Interesting. Okay, do you add um, uh, like Fermaid K or other yeast nutrients uh, when you do that? We haven't. We haven't needed. Must? We haven't needed to. Um, you know, we do a lot of nutrient additions on our our yeast and on our worts. Um, I see. So it's Already. kind of nutriented before. Yeah. yeah, and so we'll just take a portion of the yeast out of one of the fermenters and send it over to a tank full of the, the fruit and let it uh, work the fruit down. And at first I was thinking, you know, it would be a you know an issue with the types of sugars, with the nutrients and, and all that, but it's actually tends to be such a low um, ABV and a low bricks uh, a solution uh, I thought, you know, maybe the pH would be too low, all this would stop um, the yeast, but we haven't found uh, a fruit that uh, the yeast would not ferment at this point. I mean, you ferment grapefruit juice. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, all that stuff. Uh, somebody was telling me you could ferment uh, Mountain Dew. I'm thinking, you know, you think all the preservatives and stuff, why would that <laughs> ferment? It just ferments. Hmm. Um. It yeah. doesn't make it taste any better, but right, right, right. It puts alcohol in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's interesting that all these things that you know, because people just haven't generally done this a lot, you know, or they use wine yeast or something like that. But yeah, you know, most of these fruits that we use, they'll just ferment with daily yeast. It's good to know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, have you done uh, a pumpkin beer, or you know, with uh, you know, vegetable starch sources? I have. Um, I used to grow pumpkins in my backyard. I would uh, do that, but that I would bake the pumpkins in the oven. So it kind of produce yeah. some, you know, more flavor and caramelly. Yeah. Soften them up, and then uh, we'd throw it in the mash. Yeah. And really, that that brings up a really good point when it comes to using uh, these 
uh, vegetables, uh, root root vegetables and so on, like uh, turnips, potatoes, carrots, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, cook them first uh, mm-hmm. because, again, you're trying to get those starches uh, soluble. Mm-hmm. And pre-cooking will really greatly uh, increase their uh, extraction in the mash. Mm-hmm. Um, as you've mentioned with the pumpkin, a lot of these uh you know, vegetables really don't contribute much flavor at all to the beer mm-hmm. unless you do something like uh, toasting them in the oven, you know, for some caramelization and right. such. Or use, use a, just an insane amount of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they all need to go into the uh, mash, right? That's right. They need to go into the mash uh, so those soluble starches can then be converted to sugars by the, the mm-hmm. malt enzymes. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, now what about our friends that, that might have, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're doing extract and they want to make an oatmeal stout or okay. they want to make well, a dry Irish stout and they want to use flaked barley or flaked oats? Yeah. Um, the problem with your flaked grains is they are intended to be mashed. They're intended to be, they are simply just starch. Mm-hmm. And adding starch to an extract beer um, is not really going to accomplish anything, unless it's an enzymatic malt extract, which you don't see as, see very often these days. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a company in, in the U.K. that made some mm-hmm. uh, a while back, but it, I really don't see it now. Um, so, yeah, you really can't use flaked grains. You can't steep flaked grains like you do specialty grains. But you could uh, do a little flavors. mini mash. You could you could take you a can small do a mini pot, mash, though. Yes. Um, heat up some water in there, uh, get some crushed uh, two row, throw that in, and then your 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 other grains, and just kind of stir like, it, and yeah. mix it, let it let it sit there for a while. Don't even really you know care too much about. It. <laughs> See, eventually the the liquid should kind of clear up, and um, yeah, uh, you can uh, then. I guess you could throw the whole thing into your other steep, or you could uh, drain it out and uh, just transfer yeah. the liquid. Yeah, just. I mean, uh, this is where brew in a bag uh, methods becoming very handy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, throw these in a small uh, grain bag, mm-hmm. or, a, or I should say, a large grain bag. Um, yeah, with, with the you know pound or two of base malt mm-hmm. and your half pound or pound of uh, oats, mm-hmm. you know, ground, rolled oats. Um, yeah, that will convert. Um, just you know, heat heat up your water to around 150 degrees. And measure it with your thermometer, uh, and yeah, that that'll make a nice little mini mash there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what about? Um, I, I never tried this or thought about it, but what about uh, you know, just a little pot on your stovetop, and you throw the oats in there, and you throw or you throw your flig barley in there. And you get up to you know 150 or whatever it is, and then you throw in like a Beano tablet or a or some some Beano drops, you know some oh. some alpha amylase or whatever, and uh, and use that to kind of uh, uh, break down the starches, and then you could heat it up the rest of the way, kill off the enzymes, and then use that. Yeah. Beano. I'm not sure the enzyme spectrum on Beano. I know it will break up uh, raffinose, mm-hmm. um, which I think is like a five or six uh, chain glucose. I don't know what it will do as far as uh, producing fermentable sugars. Mm-hmm. Well, you might be able to get you know some some 
appropriate uh, enzyme drops from your your local yeah. homebrew shop. Homebrew shop, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's uh, yeah, there are amylase enzyme preparations on the market now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both liquid and and powder form. So uh, check those out. Go to your local homebrew shop and ask them for amylase enzymes that you can use. And those will help you do a mini mash right. on the stove like that. There you go. All right. Anything else to cover on uh, adjuncts? I know it's kind of a quick whirl, whirlwind tour. Yeah. But, you know, I think um, embrace the world of adjuncts because mm-hmm. really you are greatly expanding the the number of different styles of beer that you can produce yeah it's a you know a great way to uh enhance your toolkit um yeah. nothing wrong with adjuncts um if you're using adjuncts to to cheat in some way i guess would be the only time you wouldn't use adjuncts right so you're, right. you're trying to just make a cheaper beer um you know when you're using an adjunct to improve the quality of your beer then it's a proper use of an adjunct, and there's no, you know, question about that. Yeah, so, no need to be shy. Right there, you go. All right, good show, John. Uh, great information. Uh, if you're listening live, uh, stay tuned. We're going to do a, uh, a Q&A show that covers uh, bottling, bottle conditioning. Uh, a lot of interesting questions around uh, bottling your beer. Uh, if you have your own questions, you can send them to uh, Bruce Strong at thebrewingnetwork.com. Or if you're listening live, you can uh, dial in at 888-something... Uh, uh, Beer. 401 beer. 401 beer. There you go. It is. 401 beer. <laughs> and because uh, we got questions last last time, I'm just saying. And maybe maybe it'll happen again. It maybe, could happen. Maybe lightning would strike. We'll see. Uh, if you like lightning to keep striking, I would suggest you check out all our fine sponsors Blickman Engineering, Great Fermentations, White Labs, the AHA, um, uh, Grog Tang. Uh, check them all out, support them all, and that helps keep this show on the air. Uh, you can also go to the Brewing Network. Uh, store the brewingnetwork.com slash store and uh, buy some goodies there and that also helps the bottom line of the brewing network till then everybody brew strong brew strong everyone <laughs>